People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, and we are on location. Well, we are. We're I here in beautiful Palm Springs. You know, I had the best news this morning. In this hotel, it's just, it's amazing. It's all updated. and what, you know, It takes, me, the, about, oh, I know what it takes the news me about is. five minutes to figure out how to work the lamp. I know I know what the news is. They have the magic fingers. You put the quarter in the bedsheets. <laughs> well, no, they have these automatic scales in the bathroom. You know, they're electronic. And I thought, okay, I'm going to step on the scale today. You know what it came back? It said... It said, go on a diet, lady. No, it no, said I... low, L-O. It came up and said low. And you I'm broke like, the scale. I'm like, my weight must be too low. I need to go eat. This is the well, ideal a... scale. It's, 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 it's that kind of resort here. The bellboy said, I look good. So they're all lying. Well, last night was so funny. I was trying to figure out how to turn the light out. And I'm like, I'm doing the switch. And I'm like, I can't make it go off. And I'm like, I'm pretty intelligent. I've been, you know, dialyzing for 12 years. I knew how to work, you know, machines. I knew all the bells and whistles. And I can't figure out how to turn this light off. You, you figure. If you and could so, work a dialysis machine, you could turn off a lamp. So I ended up having to call down. And I said, look, I can't figure out how to turn this lamp off. And actually, it ended up being broken, so I had to turn it off the old-fashioned way, unplug it. You're kidding. The lamp was broken? <laughs> it was. It was like there was this little silver thing on it, but it kept coming off. And I thought it was decorative because it didn't look like it was a switch, but it actually was the switch. Oh. And after several minutes, I mean, I had a couple drinks last night, so I have to put Oh, that well, that explains up. it. <laughs> so I turned it off the old-fashioned way. Well, we got a great guest today. Yes, we have a great guest. She's been in dialysis for over 42 years as a nephrology nurse. And her one of the things she will Susan, tell you is don't unplug the machine. Susan Hansen is our guest. Yes. And she invented the um, Hansen juices, and is what I hear. Oh, I think she did. And Sally Hansen, the nail polish, I think she invented She's that. Everything. She's just done everything. She's so. a, a lady of many different jobs. <laughs> so when we come back, we're going to talk to Susan Hansen. And we're talking to her about it. We're I want to know or? how to get that nail polish, that really pretty color that, you know, doesn't peel. Hello? Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fellow to death. Those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines? Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed? You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for taekwondo. Bye, Mom.
welcome Susan Hansen. How are you? Well, I am just fine, but you give me credit for a lot of things that I haven't done. Uh, really? Is the nail polish or the drinks? Neither or one. Oh. You're going to have to do You're without You're in nephrology, those. right? I have been in nephrology and lots of facets of nephrology. One of the things I love about that field is you can do so many things and still be in nephrology. Right. I started as a researcher, then I got into the clinical dialysis, then I became uh, editor of a nephrology journal. I opened a two-year associate degree program to teach nurses and technicians that's still running. Wow. Um, and now I work with a company in the marketing department and development of uh, business for renal solutions. So lots of different things. It's absolutely fascinating. So when someone's on dialysis, you know, I, I always like to take charge, you know, I want to I want to know my labs, I, I don't want somebody to tell me and everything, That's but uh, how is it, how can I take charge of dialysis as well as my diet, my pills? And that is that? exactly what I like to hear from people because that's what I think is the best thing for everybody. And in my experience, the people who do best are people who not only master their diet and their medications, but take charge of the dialysis. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of different ways to do it depending on the situation in your center. But if you have control of, even if it's just a small part of the dialysis, as well as the other facets of your care, then you can be much more independent and actually be much more functional in outside the dialysis unit as well as inside. Well, they're talking a lot about today dialysis adequacy. And when I first started dialysis, that wasn't even a term that existed. Yeah. It was like, well, just let's figure out how much to dialyze them and then, you know, if they don't cramp, that's enough. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of evolved. And, you know, now there's a big emphasis on dialysis adequacy. And can you explain, because patients probably hear that. And one of the things okay. that's my pet peeves is that why are we getting adequate dialysis and not optimal dialysis? Because nobody ever goes and wants to have just adequate yes. Yeah, but I think um, adequate anything. dialysis would be like every day, six hours, seven I know, hours a day. But one of my opinions is, is that we never strive for just adequate. I want to be the best. Of course. I want to have optimal. I'm I think that there's a couple of different terms mm -hmm. out there, and adequacy just makes like... You know, that's just the bare minimum. We need to do it's better. It's a C student, which is what I was. <laughs> You've got a good point. That's exactly what it is. It's the bare minimum to get by. And um, there are lots of different ways to define this. Right now, we're using the adequacy data uh, from the USRDS and the studies that contributed to wait, that. Wait, USRDS, that's too many uh, letters. United States Renal Data Service oh, okay, System, good. where we keep, because the unit sends in uh, results, blood chemistries uh, monthly and on, on people and a number of other, amount of other data, so that we can compile large amounts of data and evaluate how people respond and look at areas that need improvement and, and ways to improve things so that we're constantly trying to do dialysis better. And right now, the government has set some criteria that centers need to meet in terms of outcomes with patients. Some of it has to do with blood chemistries. A lot of it, it tries to be as objective as possible. So we have like KT over V exactly. as a term, URR. Mm -hmm. So isn't urea reduction ratio, isn't that like, six? is it 65? Or, is, is it that what it was? Sixty percent uh, reduction in urea, okay. and some people uh, strive for higher. In fact, okay. we try to do better. Okay, because that's the adequate. Sixty percent mm -hmm. is adequate. Sixty percent is adequate, and KT over V of one point two. But those are subject to interpretation, right. and we now feel that probably we should be doing better uh, in terms of 
either increasing the frequency so that we get more total KT over V or getting a larger amount with the dialysis by using more efficient dialyzers or dialyzing people longer per treatment. Yeah, so I'm saying That's optimal a, treatment is like in France well, where they're doing eight hours a day. Well, well, you know, one of the things I always tell patients, if you do not feel good, it could be just try more dialysis, exactly. try different things. I well, mean, sometimes dialysis like, doesn't make you feel good. I know, good. It, it may not, but right. it might. And I'm like, well, what do you got to lose? Because if you're, you know, you feel bad all the time, you go to dialysis and you might need more. I mean, I was lucky because I'm little. So when you have a smaller body mass, it's easier to dialyze you. But if somebody's like a 300, 300 pound muscle bound like you Stephen 300 pound muscle bound Thank guy you, very you know it's harder to get adequate dialysis because you've got more pounds to dialyze so you want to take charge of your dialysis but your unit doesn't want you to they want you to shut up and lay there and <laughs> sit down shut up and put out your arm exactly yeah that used to drive so you what up. do you do get them well, in get them on get them off you can often find one staff member who is amenable to the letting you learn to for example right. put your own needles in which is one right. of my things I think as much as possible yes. people should try to take charge of that because it's a lot less painful and if you can control it then have Tom, Dick, and Harry rotating through your arm. Right. You can often find one person who is willing to spend the time, especially if you can point out to them that yes, it's going to take more time for today's treatment and the next few days while you're learning to do it, but once you know how to do it, the staff doesn't have to spend right. time. You can sit down and take care of yourself. Well, what so, I found is really interesting is that when dialysis was started, it it was based on the premise that the patient would take care of themselves. Exactly. And then in the early 70s, we you know, got this reimbursement, and they said, oh, let's make it easier for the patients. And I think it, they meant well, because they were like, let's streamline it, let's just make it a process. Mm -hmm. But they took away one of the things that helped us survive was being in the know and being yes. in control. And I remember even as a young girl, I knew what the venous pressure line um, alarm meant, the arterial pressure line alarm meant. So when the alarms were going off, I could look at the machine, I'm like, oh, they can fix that. Oh, you know, and I knew how to say, oh my God, there's an emergency over here, and I need to differentiate. Mm -hmm. And I think today, it's unfortunate they don't really, they need to spend more time and explain all the alarms. Because it's frightening when you're on dialysis and your machine keeps alarming all the time, you think that there's something wrong with you. And it's really well, the machine. Well, and you think it's a medical <laughs> emergency and they could right. be very serious. Right. And, and it's also know. really bad when the technician goes, oh my God, yes. you know, <laughs> I, I don't like that either. <laughs> Yeah, they're so, really not listen, encouraged you know, to do that. But are you advocating home hemodialysis? I'm actually advocating self-care. Now, it could be at home. I, ideally, that would be learning right. to do your own dialysis I, I and taking it home. I think home is a great option. I agree Especially completely. with so many patients, where are we going to put them all? There's not enough units to put all the patients in. So mm -hmm. home is a natural progression for the people who can do dialysis at home. Well, and the dialysis population is, is predicted to double within the next five to six years. And we're not going to have a doubling of nurses and technicians and, and doctors. So you think so, more people will go to home well, chemo? Or self-care. Right. There is a difference. Not everybody's home situation, either physically or in terms of the family, situation lends itself to taking the responsibility of doing dialysis in their home. Um, some people think that you have to have a partner. I happen to disagree with that. I have trained single people and they've done very well at home by themselves. But nevertheless, home dialysis is, is great for certain people and not for everybody. 
they will select themselves. I thought when I started doing home training in the early 70s, I had this idea in my head of who was the ideal candidate. They had to be relatively young. They had, that is to say, under 60 or so. Uh, they had to have a willing partner. Uh, they had to have a certain type of home where we could do the water treatment and put the machine and do all the things. The machines were a little, not, a little more primitive, not much more primitive than they are right now. We had all these criteria, a reasonable degree of education and whatnot. And the first couple of patients that I trained were like that. And then one day an elderly couple came to me and they said, we'd like to do dialysis at home. Well, these people were in their mid-70s and they hadn't been to school since high school, they're not exactly highly educated, and you have to wonder how well they can learn something. But they were so motivated that we decided to give them a chance, and it took twice as long to train them as it had my first couple of patients. Well, you put a big machine at, at their home? Yes, you would put a stand, it was like an inpatient, it was an inpatient machine it from those yeah, days. We have a lot of new technology nowadays, so it makes it a little bit easier. It does make it a little easier yeah, now. Yeah, because you've got that uh, next stage machine, which you is have like something. the size of a microwave oven. It's right. really small. Right. So now you have machines that are smaller and don't necessarily need the water treatment that, because we had to install a water treatment system in the people's home too. So they were pretty much nailed down to one area of the house where they did dialysis. But this elderly couple, uh, even though they took twice as long to learn, turned out to be excellent because they did everything exactly the way they were told. They never deviated, never once. Whereas one of my, uh, some of my patients, I wound up training 24 people to go home. I had an engineer who was dialyzing his 18-year-old son at home, and he called me up one day and said, oh my gosh, my son has the following symptoms. I said, how could that be? It sounds like your dialysate is not circulating. Well, he said, you know, I did go inside the machine and change the plumbing around because I had a much better idea as to how to do it compared to it was <laughs> this primitive, you know. And I said, you did it, then you call me? Oh my <laughs> Those darn engineers, I could just figure out how to turn the thing on. That's about it. Well, we need to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to learn more about self-care and self-dialysis and what's the difference, and we're going to find out about those tasty drinks you invented. Hi folks, Crazy Kenny Kid here to tell you about the incredible specials we're having. We are definitely wheeling and dealing this weekend. If I can't put you in a proper axis, a lifeline like me and the missus like to call them, and I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug. First, we have a Crazy Kenny Kid special on hemodialysis access with several different models. We have catheters great for the beginners or in any emergency, but you'll soon want to move up to a more sporting model. Next, we have the AV graft, a good utility access, but believe me, sweet folks, I have saved the best for last, the fistula. This is the access that everyone is talking about. You'll get great mileage and years of use with this baby. What's that you say? Hemo just doesn't fit the lifestyle you prefer, PD? Well, feast your eyes on this baby. Oh, I forgot this is radio. You'll just have to trust me on this one, folks. This is the PD catheter model. Beautiful, efficient, and easily hidden from view. So take your pick. We're dealing all week. We'll really have to move these babies. Keep your access clean and free of infection. A daily check for signs of redness and warmth could indicate infection. Check with your health care team for tips on how to keep your dialysis access clean and safe for use. And remember, if I can't put you in one of these lifelines, I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug.
what self-care means in center self-care. In center self-care is when people can set up their own machine if they are so if they are taught and they're interested in doing that they I as I said encourage people to put their own needles in and also to learn how to manage their ultrafiltration so the fluid removal is in their court and they usually are much more they, expert at doing this. And they watch their blood pressure and they, they really monitor. much monitor themselves yep. but the healthcare professionals are there to help them. Exactly. But with the majority of centers being owned by two companies uh, you know, they're not going to allow us patients. Yes, they to, do. Oh, I think you'll be oh, surprised. Oh yes, I, I don't. I disagree with you. Yeah, on that, and they Steven. make you sign your life away. No. If you want to get off dialysis 15 minutes early, they make you sign a piece of paper saying against medical advice. AMA. Well, well self care doesn't mean signing off early. Yeah. No, make but your I'm own saying dose. they 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 are so concerned about being sued, and they're going to let you touch their machines. Well, Oh, Would other I think patients use? Yes, I think that they do. I mean, I know a lot of patients who have self-care, but I also mm -hmm. think the healthcare professionals need to be educated because of the fact that the long-term nurses know that the patients can do this. And what I find right now is some of the new healthcare professionals come in, if they don't have a great mentor like Susan Hansen, you know, they come in with this mindset and if they're not educated, what I always say is that, you know, if somebody else will do my own la my laundry, I'll let them. But if I do my laundry, the clothes don't shrink, well, they need to shrink because I'm sure. stop talking um, about your laundry? I'm disgusted with But this. that's what I think a lot of times in the healthcare professional industry, you know, they're like, oh, that patient, well, no, if you'll take care of me, great, you do it. Well, they're, and they're, and I think they need to give the control back. The healthcare professional has got to expect from the patient that we can take care of ourselves. It's the reverse right now. And part of that is because of the, the staff has not been exposed to self-care, a lot of them. The other thing is the dialysis population has grown considerably older and have multiple impairments. That's for sure. And so for a lot of patients, this is not necessarily realistic. However, there are certain patients for, for whom it is, and I think that's going to increase because as you know, with the diabetes uh, particularly, the, it, we're going to wind up with a lot more younger patients going into renal failure at earlier ages so that we not only are going to be swamped with twice as many patients in five or six years as we have now, but a lot of them will be younger than the mean age of the patients right now. And we're not going to have the staff to teach everybody or to take care there's, of everybody individually. There's so, a healthcare professional shortage and exactly. a patient increase that's, we have no idea where mm -hmm. the numbers are going. So the numbers just don't match. I mean, that's why the PEP program, the patient speaker program, the advocacy mm -hmm. program, I really believe that the patients are going to have to help the other patients patients to be oh, able to point. manage this illness. We're going to have mm -hmm. to help each mm -hmm. other um, through and education, a, a, everything. Absolutely, I agree. And I, and I think staff is going to be much more amenable to that because of the realities that there won't be enough people to care for every patient. Uh, so I think we really will see a shift in attitude towards well, self-care. What's interesting is sometimes in a crisis, you know, this is a crisis, but I actually think it's going to be good for the patients in the long run in one mm -hmm. way because I've witnessed hundreds of patients in my lifetime, you know, friends, mm -hmm. and there's one thing, it's the patients who took charge of their care, the pain in the butts, live. Yep. And if we're really striving for quality and, you know, thriving for all of this, it's like the patients have to take charge of their care. 
and the healthcare professionals need to let us do it. Susan, um, now the patients, what do they have the most problem with mastering their own care? Is it sticking themselves? Is it learning the machine? You know, the machines have gotten easier and easier to learn, and a, a motivated patient will learn it pretty quickly. And initially, the idea of putting a needle in yourself is, is very hard to do, but with a, a staff member who knows how to handle that, and particularly now, it's easier. I used to teach patients to put their own needles in. in, in and we what, did the rotating in a fistula. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, fistulas or grafts. Um, and teach them to rotate the needle sites. Uh, and actually, after the first stick, has either, either of you ever put your own needles in? I do. Okay, so you know that the biggest deal is making that first stick. It's a big needle. Putting putting a needle into yourself anyway is something that we it's, have it's, to... It's we, counterintuitive. Exactly. Of course, you're taught not to harm yourself. I don't know. I mean... In the end, when you can put your own needles in, you don't have to worry about one staff member who's good right. at needles and another staff member who's a disaster and everybody knows who that is but they still have nobody to nobody talks about in. the elephant in the middle uh, of the room exactly. we just try to avoid it it's, it's exactly. the staff guy that has his arm in a sling that you're worried yeah. about <laughs> that's true <laughs> or, or the, the guy who's had too much coffee yes <laughs> if a patient wants to do self-care what would they do how would they approach their healthcare professional if they're interested in taking over more of their care uh, because they may ask and they may say, oh, no, patients don't do that. They may hear that. What can they do? One thing they can do is to select, because there's probably somebody in the staff who is somewhat receptive to this kind of talk. The other thing is to become a broken record. Sometimes staff who is not used to patients... I hate to break it to you. They don't make records anymore. <laughs> All right. It's a scratch, a scratch CD. Okay. If you do keep asking, you don't have to be nasty, but you need to be persistent. Eventually, a staff member will realize that maybe this is possible. You can bring them information because right. there are people doing this. Yes, we this have a lot of articles on kidneytimes.com exactly. that has you know patients' experience with self-care and actually physicians who are advocating self-care. Yes. So they can take in this information and say, look, mm -hmm. I want to try it too. Mm -hmm. I found the hardest thing was to actually not stick myself but to find the actual fistula vein. You know, because I mean, I've seen some kidney patients that have huge, right. I mean, there's no way they can miss that, but I don't, you know, and uh, it was very hard to find the vein. I'm, I'm taking the needle in, I'm not getting it, pushing it out, taking it in again, and that was the biggest uh, problem for me. That can, yeah, that can be a problem, but had, were you using the uh, single site method? I, I, yes, the buttonhole method. Buttonhole method, yes. good. Yeah, because that eventually but will still, develop a channel for yeah, you. Yeah, but still, you can push it right into the buttonhole and you don't get the vein. Ah, the, my wow. vein, I have what they call wiggle veins. Oh, you know, they, they move a lot. Rolling veins. Yeah. Rolling, Rolling veins. veins. That's, what, well, that's what it is. In yeah. closing, what are some of the tips and maybe like a little motivation speech to patients out there? Yeah. To in, Think on your feet. Give us a motivation <laughs> speech right here and now. To take charge of their dialysis and their care. One of the best things they can do is to look at someone, get to know someone like you, someone who has actually succeeded in already doing this and become an uh, acolyte of that person. Just find out what they did and what worked for them. Almost like and, a sponsor. Yeah, uh, a sponsor. That's yeah. a good way. If you can, if you can uh, get connected with somebody who is already doing 
what it is that you envision you want to do, that is very helpful because they can encourage you, they can help you point out who are the right people to talk to. Are you going to have to change to a different unit, the one down the street, or is there some other way to work this so that you can get what you want? There's a lot of routes to getting to independence. And uh, having a mentor helps a lot. And what do you see down the line 10 years from now, 20 years from now? If you could see in the future, if you were now Madam Susan, what ah, would you see? Well, what I see, and probably a little closer in five to 10 years, is wearable dialysis devices. There are a couple wearable, of wearable, by yes, like Calvin small. Klein and, and kind <laughs> of like that. Yes, you can work on that aspect of it. Um, there are people working right now on a wearable hemodialysis system, just a waistband around the waist. It's not anything that is going to even show terribly through overclothes. Like a little fanny pack. Kind of like that. <laughs> I know another person who, a couple of people who are working on a wearable peritoneal, 24-hour-a-day peritoneal mm -hmm. dialysis system that is small and uh, is not uh, a bulky deal to do, and both of these are going to continuously clean the blood rather than this episodic up and down, down. business, which is much more physiological uh, and more comfortable. It's more like people. a kidney. More like a real kidney. <laughs> They'll have uh, under a kidney wow, function every hour of the day. Yes. That's fascinating That's fairly stuff. close. Farther away, um, Dr. Nissenson is here. He's very interested in nanotechnology. There's uh, David Ogden who has... Um, a device where he grows uh, renal cells on the outside of hollow fiber membranes and then can circulate blood through Oh, that. it's so futuristic. It's cool. Yeah, I it's loved it. I, did, I, 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 I actually did a movie about nanotechnology. Hey. And it was, uh, but it was disastrous. It was a disaster movie, but uh, well, yeah, hopefully it wouldn't be the same. Science fiction channel again? Yes, yeah. exactly. But thank you so much for stopping by, and I'm so oh, glad you could see into the future. And, and That's everything. the fascinating thing about this field is it doesn't stay the same. It changes and there's always growth and learning to go yeah, on. Yeah, it's, it's, well, that, can you. you tell me, listen, can, what am I gonna have for dinner tonight? Fascinating, but I'm disappointed I didn't get any tips on nail polish. Uh, or the soda either. She's, she's that. holding that close to her chest. I know. You know? I mean, but uh, isn't that amazing? That's one of the things that has always inspired me is that there's always hope. If there's not a solution for you today, there will probably be one tomorrow if you're a kidney patient. That stuff was fascinating about the future. And that's what I have found out through my 38 years of living with kidney disease. But the future stuff she was talking about, the wearable oh, I know. dialysis machine. I know. You know, eventually they're going to be able to take dialysis and take real weight off. And then we're going to be, oh man, that's, Jenny Craig, watch out. That's called um, liposuction. <laughs> that's not dialysis. Well, when I was on dialysis, I would lose like five pounds or whatever. And, you know, you, 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 know, you think, wow, if this could be real body weight, if we could figure out how to do that, Stephen, we could move on and not do kidney talks. And we then, could have these weight loss systems across the country. Right, and then there would be no fat mice because they tested on them and they'd be thin and then, no, you're right, we could open up the, uh, the Kidney Talk uh, Weight Loss Center. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. 
We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.